Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Pierre Emerick Aubameyang does. Gabriel Martinelli has equalised for the Gunners! Welcome back to the Different Knock Podcast, episode number 35 with, oh my god, we want a fucking game of football, and my very good friend, Jesus Christ, oh my god, we want a fucking game of football. <laughs> He's had a Red Bull, Brad's up for it. Let's go, let's fucking go. Brad, pe- people are, pe- people are going to miss us arguing, I, th- I think. Yeah, I think that well, you, we're going to, this is going to be good, we're going to be chill. It's going to be nice. Yeah, sometimes sometimes mum and dad have got to stop arguing and start enjoying the football. I can't yeah. believe we won, mate. It's It sort oh. of hasn't sunk in yet. You were ju- we'd, we'd just started this podcast before um, and Brad's internet cut out and you were saying, you were making a really good point about like about this feeling. Yeah, it feels... But we've obviously won matches this season or whatever, but it feels genuinely since the... Probably, I, I said the FA Cup final that we we've won a game of football that it felt like we we deserved to win as in like we were on top we were dominating I'd probably caveat with the the Fulham game like I did feel like we were on top in that game mm. but like you know I'm just looking back at our fixtures the West Ham game I mean we weren't on it we we got lucky with a late win um with the Enketia goal in the Premier League I'm looking through and I'm going okay it was the Liverpool game then there was the Sheffield United game. Okay, it was a bit risky. We didn't win at City. We didn't win at Leicester. Then this run started. There was the game against United, which we did win, but on a penalty. Mm. And, you know, I don't know. We weren't exactly crazily um, confident. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, mate, it's it, it's a strange feeling to feel like. And even in this game, I think, you know, a, a scoreline can often mask a, a performance both ways. I think, you know, sometimes you can lose and it actually masks quite a good performance. 100%. In this, I did... We weren't at our best. Let's be clear. Like we're we're, we're a long way off, and I think it. Um, you know, I'm hearing a lot of you know rewritten opinions, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not uh, keen to do that today. Um, I think it's a very good win, and I think it's a really important win, and I think it's a win that um, uh, we should celebrate and we should be happy about, and it's something that we should take pride in. But let's all just yeah no 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 <laughs> we've got a long way to I go. agree with you and what was exciting was like Kieran Tierney Kieran Tierney came out after the game and was like it's a start and 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 I'm really happy that he did that because you know if we look at our fixtures um we've got a good run the next few we've got a good run yeah 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 we've 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 got some you know not easy fixtures but yeah. winnable. <laughs> I say winnable. We said the sort of fixtures in November were winnable, so I, I temper that. But uh, we got Brighton and Hove, Albion away. I don't know why I didn't just say Brighton. Uh, then we got West uh, West Brom. Um, got Newcastle in the cup. Palace at home. Newcastle at home mid January. Southampton away, and then we're at United at the end of the month. You you feel as though some of those are winnable. A hundred percent. And to kind of go on your point of almost like. Um, 
about like not rewriting opinions, rewriting feelings. I, I texted you saying I'm kind of tempering my reaction to this to see what happens the next game. Because this means nothing if we revert to this, uh, playing the same old players who aren't giving you anything and the same old tactics that weren't working because last night felt like a change. But it just, I think, it, in, it encapsulates almost the mood of Arsenal fans that of of how much this almost meant to everyone and how how bad it really gotten that you know it even when we weren't like you say spectacular but almost on that point i think the frailties that we saw last night were the frailties of of an unbalanced squad that we would have expected to see this season anyway mm. but the issue is is we've not only just seen those frailties we've also seen a lot of other issues yeah and i think that people would accept we people would accept the fact that we're never going to be the most uh, defensively solid and i thought rob holding put in a decent shift last night but with rob holding as your starting right center back or with you know granit granit again put in a decent performance but i always feel in the defensive action he's carried because you know he's less athletic and i I said this to you and i'll happily eat my words that i said that our midfield two was going to be run over today because we had a very athletic player in mohammed el neni but we did not have any legs in granit xhaka but you know xhaka put in a, a good performance tonight but i'm also wary with xhaka to say that Granit Xhaka will put in one good performance in 12 and drop 11 stinkers and then Twitter will wank him off for another three months. It is, that's what makes a media, that what makes a mid-table player yeah. is they'll drop a worldie every 12 games. Yeah, yeah, 100% and an average player. I just, just to add a few more sort of points to either side of the column, really, I think, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see the next lineup and we'll get onto that in a minute. Yeah. But to know, you know, how much of this is Arteta out of necessity and how much of this is Arteta understanding his mistakes, dropping Willian because, you know, if say, say Willian, David Luiz and Gabriel, well, not Gabriel, say, say Willian and David Luiz were available. Mm-hmm. You wonder whether he goes, okay, we, we need a bit more of a mix because, you know, Martinelli, Saka are 19 and Smith Rowe is uh, 20. You know, that's a, that's a really brave, if, if, if he had all those players available, that's a really brave thing to do at, on this kind of run. Mm-hmm. So you wonder if he did have those players available. Also, you know, it was a free kick, a penalty, and uh, I think, and I, I'm almost, I would, I would almost bet on a on purpose uh, goal from 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 Bukayo Saka because he looks at Mendy. If you watch the clip, he looks at Mendy. He clearly takes a takes a, like a a glance before he he chips it. So it's a very good piece of individual skill. But what we've not got in there is a cut them open, you know, open play goal where we feel like we've we've shown you know our passing a passing masterclass. However, on the other side of things, I think tactically Arteta set us up well to 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 cope with the opposition. I thought Smith Rowe did really well in the left half space. He kind of created those triangles on the left wing. Mm-hmm. Lacazette dropping into the right half space, doing the same with Saka and, and Bellerin and Elneny. I thought Mari pushed us up. We we had quite a high line, which meant the 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 sort of the the distances that Jaka had to cover were a bit bit smaller. I think you know, I don't know how much of this is by design, but let's appreciate that this team pulled out a performance a 3-1 performance in a game where we were all expecting doom. So yeah. I think there's really good arguments both sides. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah, I, I think we're both saying, let's just wait and see. It's, yeah, it's almost pointless making those arguments because 
everything could either change in the next game against Brighton. I think it's Brighton or West Brom. I'm not sure. Um, Brighton, yeah. Yeah, everything could change in the fact that we could revert to playing uh, Willian and David. Uh, I wouldn't. The thing is, is I wouldn't mind playing David Luiz. Yeah. If we, as in, like, I would, I would accept changing that back four to Pablo Mari and David Luiz or Gabriel and David Luiz. If that's the only thing that changed, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a big issue with that because I think that again, David Luiz just offers you some passing, and then maybe you can take Xhaka out of the team and put somebody in with a bit more legs. But you know, I, again, this is not me disparaging his performance last night. I no. thought he was very good last night, but my, it's just. It's never been consistent. He's dropped amazing performances against phenomenal opposition and then had a 12-game stinker run. So it's it's sure. it's it's a real... That that one's a real difficult conversation to have because I feel good that he was so good. But it, yep. it almost doesn't matter if we revert to the same old things and we go back to... Because one of the things as well is I've never been a massive rater of Lampard. I think that uh, he came in last season, played the kids and did... An, Every uh, he did well to get into fourth, but Chelsea and United limped into fourth last season and were very lucky. And everyone talks about this quote unquote transfer ban. They kept Kovacic, who they signed for forty million, and everyone says, "Yeah, but they had him the last season, and it was a it was a it had an option to buy." Well, they still bought him, and they bought although they bought him in January because they knew that they were going to get a transfer ban. They have Christian Pulisic come in for that season, so you have pretty much almost definitely one new signing if not nearly two so the fact that they've now spent 200 million and cannot get these you know they've got they've got a phenomenal squad they've got a brilliant brilliant squad and they're not they're just not that they're you know they're being outdone by any team that has a decent manager and they've not, I don't think, I think there's a stat that they haven't beat anyone above like fucking 10th yeah. or something stupid I, like I, that. I think, I think we and always knew with Chelsea, they would struggle with that kind of, you know, it's going to take time for a team to click. And I think to find their, I think they've, you know, have they found their best front three? I think their yeah. midfield's fairly settled, but even their back line, you know, it can, it can, you know, Silver and Zuma looks like a decent partnership. But, you know, again, I think James is frail. We saw that. He's still young. I think, yeah, they've got some growing to do. I don't know particularly about Chelsea, but I think, I think, I think Lampard is is a good option to, in the short term. He's like a, we'll get him in to because the thing is, is Arteta, un, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, Arteta's not an Arsenal legend in the sense that he doesn't carry the same weight as a as an Henri, as a Vieira, as a as a Burkamp. If any of those people came in to manage Arsenal, they would get a lot more leeway when it came to results and when it came to performances than an Arteta because they hold so much clout at the club. Lampard is the same, and I think maybe I, I think maybe this is their plan: is to bring him in to give these boys a season, and then maybe next year. They'll go for somebody slightly more experienced um, to try and start to bridge that gap. But um, yeah, again, I, I, I'm I'm just it's it's difficult to have these kind of conversations because Boxing Day football, especially, is always a fucking madness. Yes. Like yeah. nobody, no, like you you can never really. I like I, I'm I don't uh, I don't bet, I don't bet on football a lot. 
I don't think I think I've bet on football maybe once, but I know that Boxing Day is a day that you should never really bet on, as in do like an acheron because you're never going to be I able did. to predict anything. I did bet right, and I and you did you win? So <laughs> I put Arsenal to win. Yeah, both teams to score. Yeah, four plus corners each team. Yeah, there was seven and nine. Uh huh. And it was twenty booking points each team. You uh you Arsenal got two yellow cards, which is twenty. Chelsea got one. Oh no! I was absolutely gutted. There oh. was a moment uh, towards the end of the match where uh, I can't remember who it was, but a Chelsea player pulled someone down, and I was seething. <laughs> I would have won something like a hundred quid, or you know, it wasn't crazy, but it was yeah, yeah. I was I was seething. Anyway, yeah, I, th- I yeah. I mean, to round that off, like yeah, let's let's just wait and see. I mean, I'm looking at the stats here. Like they had more shots than us, more possession, more pass success, more dribbles. They won more aerial duels. We had more. They had more corners. They dispossessed us more. Like the underlying stats aren't great, and that's and 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 listen. You know, it doesn't really matter. It's three one. We won the match. Let's move on. But I think you know. I, I don't actually. I don't think any Arsenal fan is massively getting carried away. But I'm very very interested. And I've got my eyes very firmly fixed on Brighton to see yeah. what happens. I think with this game though, it's almost like the conversation that we've had before. In that you know. I uh, uh, they beat us on XG as well, something like they had two point six four to our two point oh two or something. But I think that that came from sheer volume of throwing the ball into the box. I don't like there was only I I don't ever there was only one opportunity, and I think it was Timo Werner, or maybe two opportunities where I felt they really cut us open and had a, had an opportunity. You know, the rest of them I I feel like were. Especially, like, most of their chances, I think, came in the last kind of 10, 15 minutes after Arsenal decided to kind of settle down and and try and just shut up shop. Um, and obviously, um, a, 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 especially when it comes to XG, if you have a penalty, you're automatically given one XG because it is assumed that you will score rather than yeah, miss. You should score so realistically, their, penal- their, their non-penalty XG is 1.64. So we beat them on that. So I, I, I think it, it was almost like a, re, a, a reversal of the script where like, okay, they've dominated the stats, but we performed better. Whereas previously we've dominated the stats and they, the other team have performed better. And I, I, I watched, um, oh, I can't remember what pod, podcast it was. I was listening to a podcast, a football podcast, and they basically, they made a really, really good point that um, dominating. Was it the Different Knock podcast? It was not, unfortunately, because I'd already listened to the Different Knock podcast on the day it came Disgusting. out. Uh, and you can listen to it earlier if you sign up to our Patreon <laughs> at Patreon slash Diffknock. Um, and they, what they basically said was something along the lines of dominating stats does not mean you dominate a football game. Uh, and I think that and we, we've been making this point as well that, you know, you if you dominate possession against the Jose Mourinho side, you've not done anything special because they're 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 setting up to give you possession. Same that, you know, it it's massively dependent on what kind of the opposition is trying to do and what you're trying to do. And I feel like in previous comments, Arsenal and Arteta have been slightly almost insulting to the intelligence of Arsenal fans, I felt, in saying this whole it's almost been painting this picture that Arsenal fans don't understand, you know, with this whole, oh yeah, but we had a 67% chance of winning and we lost. And it's like, people people aren't idiots. People can see when we're not playing well and when we're playing bad football. And I don't know. I've looked on Twitter. Some people are idiots. Yeah, to be fair. But um, I feel like hopefully 
this can this hopefully this and i've kind of come around to your way of thinking hopefully this good win he's drawing the alliance can buy us a little bit of goodwill good faith and time to get to the end of january and the minimum i will take in january is three exits and two entrances i think that is the minimum we should do and then we'll reassess when it comes to the end of january and try and move forward from there any other things you're starting to do like me, Brad? Wear turtlenecks and have curly hair and yeah, got got, got a turtleneck. I, I I don't know. I've always had curly hair, mate. I think maybe you jumped on my bandwagon with that. Oh, maybe I have. Damn it. Um. Okay. Lineup then. Let's jump into the game. We had uh, Leno, uh, as expected. I don't think Renison's getting near that team for a couple of years, if ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think he, if he was a, if he was an ultimate team card, the boy would be getting quick sold. Yeah, that's a that's a bronze. Even, even I know that. Um, so even I know that. I'm so old. Um, yeah, Bellerin came in for for um, Maitland Niles. He had a really good game, so I think he justified it. But I I was a bit like mm, I was fuming, especially mate. against because I thought Pulisic would be playing on the left. Obviously, he ended up playing on the right, but. The, I, I'm always wary of Bellerin. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry to keep banging this drum about Bellerin. And he capped in the side, and I think he's a really good talker. He's he's good on the pitch. Like, I can see him he, see him leading, actually, on the pitch. I think he's actually... Um, I think he really cares about the club. I really like him as a person. But he is a one-trick pony. He gets the ball. Mm-hmm. He, his body is angled always interior. And he always plays it inside. He 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 offers so little getting beyond now, um, and offers so little kind of playing balls down the line to the winger. I thought, I mean, I thought he looked better. Oh, my alarm's going off. I mean, I thought he looked better uh, on that side with Saka, but as opposed to Willian. But yeah, listen. Anyway, um, strange with Gabriel, uh, Louise, and and Willian. Obviously, they were all out for the game. Um, various sort of, I think Louise and uh, William were feeling ill, and Gabriel had uh, had been in contact with someone with COVID and misses three games, which is strange to me because I'm like, well, if he isn't positive, but anyway, yeah, anyway, <laughs> I don't make the rules. Um, so I thought Mar- uh, Mari came in. And, uh, I thought Mari Mari came in. He did come in. Mari came in. Uh, Elneny Jack is our double pivot, a very youthful line there, and Lacazette didn't see Aubameyang. Um, obviously, he was on the bench, um, and no Nelson on the bench either. Yeah, uh, lineup wise, I, mate, I, I texted you. Like, I, I was annoyed with the the inclusion of Xhaka and Bellerin, and I thought that they proved that it was the right decision. And I, I but I tweeted out that, um, you know, Xhaka arguably made a worse decision than Pepe when in getting sending sent off in that Xhaka fouled somebody and then grabbed them by the throat and got himself sent off. We don't know what was said to Pepe. We don't know, as in, like, I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying we don't know why Pepe did what he did. But it was very, very stupid. And it, it does feel like he gets a, ma- a massively wide berth when it comes to that kind of shit uh, and has been brought back into the side. And it did kind of piss me off, but unfortunately he did drop his usual you know, one of his usual three good games in a season and and did well. Um, so, you know, he justified his performance today, but I don't know whether I'd keep him in the side going forward because, you know, just history repeating itself and him dropping off would not surprise me. But I was I was a little annoyed that 
Bellerin started as well because I thought, you know, Ainsley had done a, a decent enough job. Obviously, I don't think he'd offered us a lot going forward, but I, I think he'd offered us a bit more defensively. Hmm. Uh, and One-on-one, certainly. Yeah, and I wasn't particularly pleased with those two inclusions, but, I mean, I was proved wrong. It turned out to be a bit of a masterclass by Arteta, yeah. so... I mean, this is the this is an interesting place, and I think probably a good good time for um, a question we've had about Xhaka. Less of a question, more, more of a, a, a an appraisal from from Ali Craig Bell. Uh, he says, "Early question because I'm eager and I'll forget otherwise." Before anyone anywhere dare get carried away, <laughs> I love it. Xhaka scores a free kick. We know he can strike a ball. I feel the spectacularness of this goal may cover some cracks for people through the week. Or prove yeah. some false points for me for his lacklustre celebration um, proving his worth and the fact he scored from only having to walk three yards towards the ball. <laughs> it's very true. Do you pray like me that this crap goal doesn't buy him the start he seems to desperately seek and find when it matters? So I I think with Xhaka, he is a symptom of our squad building. So like I was mm. listening to the Arsenal Vision podcast last night and Clive said Xhaka is our second best midfielder. And that's not and a good thing. That's not a good thing <laughs> because hilariously he is. And I am not in any way saying Xhaka is good. I'm not. And no. he is hugely limited, but he is actually quite good at certain things. Certain he's open. He's got a nice, he's no one else in our midfield has that left ball. The one that he plays out to Tierney before he gets uh, on the inside of James. No one else can drop in quite as well as Xhaka and kind of, I feel, I feel as comfortable dropping into that sort of LCB slot um, I think Xhaka has some leadership qualities. I think there's some certain things about his game. The problem is he's pretty good at those and woeful at other things, mobility-wise, mm. and so so unassured and so unable to wriggle out tight spaces and all those sorts of things. And this is the problem with Xhaka, is that he's our second best midfielder. And Thomas Partey, um, again, another Clive. He's so like, far above. He's like a supermodel. And then we've got like some some lads from lads from the YMCA as as, mm. as his backup. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just the drop-off in quality is is huge. I don't believe, um, to answer your question, Ali, like, I don't believe that Xhaka is in Arteta's plans long-term. I just think Arteta came in, looked at the squad and went, okay, these are the midfielders I've got. I've got to get the best out of them. That's why he wanted Xhaka to stay. I think Xhaka in certain systems, and certainly at some point last year, he was use- a useful player. But I do I believe this is some kind of remontada re- renaissance for Xhaka? Absolutely not. I think, you know, he has proved time and time and time again that he is not a midfielder we can rely on. And I don't think he'll be here come next summer, certainly. No, no, no. I think this just kind of pops up the... It'll pop up the Twitter people who... Um, I, I see it all the time that post that, that they love Granit Xhaka really so good and they post his stats. But what I have noticed, right, is they leave out all of the bad stats. They were just not tweet. I can't. I think it was like at Xhaka stats or something. Tweeted out that they, that Xhaka had had a masterclass. Xhaka stats. Yeah, there, that is a Twitter account. There's someone running a Granite Xhaka stats account. Yeah, it's like a fan account. Um, and what are we doing on this little rock? And and, and, and he put in an absolute stinker. We're, we're ba- lost on, the no, ball no, no. like we're seven. bad enough. We're bad enough. Yeah, right. I know. Someone runs a Granite Xhaka stats account. Let me find yeah, that. Mate. 100%. But like he tweeted out, I can't remember after what game it was, that he'd had an absolute masterclass when realistically he'd lost the ball like nine times and absolutely stunk oh God, it out. Is absolutely stunk it out. Jacka stat. That is hilarious. And 
I, I agree. I hope that this, I, I think it will buy him some time with the, the absolute neeks on Twitter that don't understand that stats and the eye test are the thing that need to merge for you to truly understand. Can I just, can I just share? Yeah, go for it, go for it. Can I just share a Granite Xhaka stat? Granite Xhaka has scored on 15% of his direct free kick attempts. Lionel Messi has a 9.5% free kick conversion rate. Oof. This is this is how stats can be. This, this is, like is a how perfect microcosm of how stats can be misleading. It's yeah. like because also how many no how many free kicks has Xhaka taken versus Messi? I mean, let's not even go there, Brad. We know he's shit. No, but but this is what I mean. Yeah, exactly. This is what I mean. But even in a statistic where you could be like, okay, well, he's a dead ball specialist. If Messi's taken a thousand and Xhaka's taken a hundred, you deny the luck factor. You deny the poor opposition factor. You don't. You deny so many things, and I just think that. Yes, it will give some neeks on Twitter some hope that he might, you know, actually have a career in football. Whereas realistically, I hope he gets sold for 15, 20 million pounds to Levante. somewhere in Germany or Italy, Levante, some just somewhere. Levante, and then probably. we start that midfield rebuild. Maybe Levante. Um, so I thought uh, I thought we started off actually really well. I think it's, it's a huge um, difference to see Martinelli chasing down balls. Um, I think someone said something like, uh, rather than Willian on his mobility scooter, and it's it's very true. Just seeing someone, you know, mm-hmm. press and show desire, and I, you know, not to we need to get into the game analysis, but just to make a quick point, like the, on a more macro level, the desire and the um, wi- willingness to win your duels, and the willingness to attack the other team, and the willingness to, you know, the care and the attention that that that. Smith Rowe that Martinelli that Saka played are just chalk and cheese. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it and it makes it makes just the biggest difference to watch. Um, I thought we were doing quite well in the sort of opening couple of minutes. Then Chelsea managed to get a bit of a um a bit more of a hold on us. I was starting to get concerned. Um I thought Holding did quite well, um, as did Mari. Um Holding was sort of occupying Werner uh, Werner, 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 um and um and Mari was occupying uh, Abraham. I thought Mari got quite tight. He kind of pushed the line up quite a bit, but um, I was concerned because they're both quite slow. And I was worried about, you know, with a high line, them getting in behind and stuff. And I just thought, you know, the confidence was up and the ball movement was up, but we still looked bereft of quality. And that was that was the the main the main problem. The first real chance was the was the Bellerin chance, do you remember, when he could have squared to Emil Smith-Rowe? It's uh, Smith Rowe does a sort of Ramsey arrives late in the box. Um, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was screaming at my TV because I was worried that that was the chance. And I thought because Chelsea were kind of in the ascendancy a little bit at that point, and we just sort of got that back was the, the time game. to put them to bed. Yeah, and that's yeah. I, I think Smith Rowe does that well though. Like he gets he gets into nice pockets. Hmm. That's what we've got to say on that. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm oh, sorry. I thought you were still going. No, I agree with you. I th- um, there were a few chances, you know. There was the... Is, is it Smith Rowe that air kicks it or miss kicks it and just doesn't quite make the connection on his left foot and it rolls and then Martinelli puts a shot kind of just wide of the left post after kind of dribbling past Kante or someone. And there was just a few opportunities that we kind of snatched at because we're not used to having opportunities. Yeah. And that just meant that we, I started to feel a bit nervous that, oh, okay, now Chelsea are going to get into the ascendancy and we're going to see the, it's going to turn into one of these kind of games where we've had all these opportunities and just not taken them. Yeah. Like Tierney said in his post-match, he was like, you know, we, we've, the, the 
the onus has bit my tongue very good. The onus has been on um, us starting well, and the onus has been on us being on the front foot. I think we did do that, mm-hmm. and I was very concerned that those chances were like confident young guys who just don't have the composure yet, and we're going to get hit on the counter. We're going to get spanked here. It was it was concerning, but you know, I thought we you know we did we did well. Mm-hmm. Um, Xhaka sprays a nice ball out to uh, Tierney. He gets on the inside of James. I think James is quite frail defensively, and it was. <clears throat> smart from Arteta to 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 pick up on those combinations because I think Chilwell is is a bit suspect at times as well, um, and sort of because Chelsea can be quite compact. I think Zuma and you know Thiago Silva does well, um, sort of marshalling the defence. Um, I think Tierney's very smart to get the the penalty. You see his left leg like stepping in front of of James, and I like that. I like players who can do that. Look, it's it's part of the game, winning penalties. You know. Um, there are uh, uh, there's there is a difference. I don't mind if you win a soft penalty because an opponent actually makes contact with you, as in like you've put your leg in a position and then the opponent makes contact with that leg. What I don't like is for, and ha- Harry Kane is the prime example of this. Harry Kane will throw his body into another person's body and then go down. Because and because he's the person in front and with the ball, they'll give a penalty. That's I think that's the difference between almost gamesmanship and diving. And yeah, I I thought it was a good piece of play by us, and it was a well, it was a smartly smart. it was a smartly smart, won like, penalty. It was soft. Don't get me wrong. Like it, it was wasn't soft, a, but, but you, you know, but, like this is the game. We've got to play the game, and and t- I think is is a smart guy. Like he he is aware. Ultimately, if you're in the box, and he said it in his post match again, like I felt contact and I went down. You know, he if someone says, "Do you think it was a penalty?" and he's like, "Well, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I was in the box. I felt contact, so I went down, and that was it." Do you know what I mean? And he did get contact. He meant to get the contact, but ultimately, that's the game we're playing. And you know, the Pablo Mari. If you watch the when the Mason Mount uh, gets taken out by him, you almost see him react before Mari comes in. Players are looking for it and. You know, I think it's like the highest volume ever of penalties being awarded this season. And, you know, we can either don't hate the player, hate the game. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's let's 100%. let's join in because we're going to get fucked otherwise. So I'm yeah. happy that Tierney did that. And I think there's, you know, I saw a few people complaining, but I'm like, do you know what? Like, it, it got us into the game, got us the uh, the chance. Yeah. Um. So after that, you know, nice, nice composure from Lacazette. Good for his confidence. Um. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a decent penalty. Um, we were doing well with the the high line. I thought it really, as I said earlier in the in the intro, it really closed the distances for Xhaka, and it meant that if they had the ball, because the the line was higher, I don't know. They, they, I don't. They, they they don't really have any players. They didn't really play like a a kind of over the top ball. They try and sort of run with the ball and trying to kind of kind of progress it. And I felt with that high line, we we stood really well. And I thought Holding and, and Mari actually did really well. Did um, Kai Havertz Mari does start? concern me. No, Havertz was on the bench. See, that's the Havert- thing. He would have been the one player that I would exactly. have thought, if you started him, he would have been good at that kind of over-the-top or through-ball kind of style yeah. to get Werner or Abraham in behind. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and Mari does concern me slightly. Um, I think as a backup to Gabriel, like a left-sided centre-back, I think he's a good option. Mm-hmm. But he his ball control he slips on the ball. I, I've I've seen him three or four times now miscontrol the ball like under his feet, and 
I'm just concerned, and I hope this isn't going to be one of those things where I like I put a load of reverb on me saying this and put it in another podcast in like ten weeks' time or something. But I'm worried that at some point that ball control is going to cost us. Um, yeah. He yeah he does slightly concern me. Um, and then the Jacques free kick. Yeah, great strike. I mean, we were lucky to get to take it again because obviously we tried to take yeah. it quick and it just didn't do anything. And then they were like, no, take it again. Um, yeah, great. It is, that's the thing with Xhaka. We know he can strike a football. Like we've never, I've never disparaged his, his left foot or his ability to strike a ball. Yeah. Doesn't make him a good footballer. Yeah. Um, well, and it's also I'm lucky we're lucky David Luiz wasn't on the pitch because he might have tried to recreate his 2015 please just one more attempt I can do it again <laughs> fuck off um, second half I thought we dealt well with the early pressure and then mm-hmm. the, the Saka goal just killed the game I think yeah um, Saka killed, I mean, killed the confidence like Saka killed the confidence in Chelsea he's so technically assured there was a shot of him as well um he was about to take a corner he looks a bit looks a bit like he's sort of beefed up as well i think once once that physical side of his game um progresses and matures mm-hmm. like and teams can't just kick him out of the game which they've been able to do i mean he's a star man he's an, oh, he's an yeah. absolute star he's played what you know he's played what left back left wing center mid left right mid wing. right wing right mid like and he's been 10 out of 10 in almost all of those positions. He's at, he's his his kind of game ID um like game intelligence. Yeah. Game IQ like is just unreal off the charts man. He's off the charts. And I think actually his goal is a perfect kind of microcosm of people misunderstanding Saka like watch watch his look. He looks at Mendy. Yeah. And he attempts that. Like and that's the confidence and that's that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Willian doesn't do that in a million years. I'm sorry to keep bashing Willian, but like, it just goes to show that these are the players. You know, doesn't it, you know what, who who said the thing? If you're good enough, you're old enough. Like Saka's good enough. Yeah, and he's old enough. It doesn't matter. Martinelli's good enough and old enough. You know, uh, the same with Smith Rowe. Genuinely, like, uh, and it's it is like it just. I think this performance just shows how poor a decision Willian was, and how much because it's it just stifles the opportunities of players like Saka Martinelli Nelson Smithrow because it's another position constantly being taken up on the pitch by a player that just is not offering you anything and I think like you know having someone like Saka and, and Martinelli who like did so well to chase I'm glad we took him off at um oh. sort of 60 minutes oh I'm just. Ooh. I'm. I, there is a slight concern for me in the kind of side point around like Saka. Is he playing too many minutes? Smithrow. Is he ready? Um, Martinelli. Again, is he is he being rushed back? I think Smithrow actually, hilariously, as I think as Tim Stillman pointed out, like he didn't actually play incredible incredibly, but because we've never or for, for so long we've not had that player in that pocket of space doing what Smithrow does, he just jumps off the screen. But what I was going to say about Martinelli is having that player who. You know, there's clips floating around of him just, just absolutely chasing down every single ball, chasing you know, just like a like a like a dog, like an actual dog, just like chasing a ball. It puts pressure. It forces them to go long. We win the first ball, we win the second ball, and yeah. we're and we're back up against them. And mm-hmm. you know, 
just having someone to do that, you know, and Ketia is has kind of been that player for us a little bit, but he just doesn't have the same presence and doesn't have the same hold up play. There's a brilliant moment where Lacazette spins it around the um round the uh I think it's Chilwell and Saka's in. Um I don't think Nketiah has that kind of centre forward hold up play. But having those players with that energy just makes such a difference. Yeah. Not only in the kind of the, the eye test of the game, but in the actual structure of the game because it forces Chelsea long and you don't realise how important that is to stop them building up. Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with any of that. It's one thing that Good. Uh, had, had felt like uh, had uh, had almost disappeared in the last few games was the desire to chase those second balls and the desire to press. But last night we pressed quite well. <laughs> Bless you. Am I going to sneeze again? Am I? Is it going to? No, yes. Brad's in, a, Brad's in a Jedi robe and just said that and it looked like a sort of... Uh, yeah, a little Jedi bathrobe. Like you were countenancing your fate. Will I sneeze again? If the Force wills it. <laughs> you are asking, <laughs> asking the Force. <laughs> Crease. Um, and then to kind of jump off that point as well, not your sneezing, um, we were still going after the goal. Lacazette was pressing oh. in the 80th minute, three, three and a half. an absolute shift in. Fuck? You put an absolute shift in. Like I, 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 I again, I think he's part of this group of players that I, th- I would be happy if they were sold in the summer, like your Bellerins, like your Jackers, like you know, a, a fair few, like your Williams, just moved on and then refreshed the squad. But I don't think that disparages the shift that he put in tonight. It was absolutely. Class. Um, yes, uh, I thought just to kind of finish up on the game. Then I thought. I actually thought El Nenny, there was a, I had a, a bit of a, a Twitter spat with um, someone called Sam WAFC. Uh, he was talking about El Nenny and he said, can't wait to have a party back because El Nenny is shocking. I, I think with El Nenny, like, I think the, the, the criticism of him feels a little bit moot because it's like, I think El Nenny will always basically give you anywhere between a, a six and an eight. Like pretty much, he's like a Nacho Monreal. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he's like some, a six or seven out of ten. Sometimes he'll have a, a bit of a poor game, but he'll never stick out as oh my fucking god, El Nenny. He'll just give the ball. But away it's a more, times. The, it's just the passing. Yeah, it's just the passing. I, I, I think you know he. Yes, he gives the ball away. He sometimes isn't is isn't positionally accurate. He is he does he does chase the ball a little bit. He's not the most talented. But, you know, he's someone who has some tidy moments. He he doesn't, you know, he wriggled out of some tight spaces. There's a nice moment where he plays a little sort of one-two of himself around some Chelsea players. He circulates the ball. He, play, he played a few, you know, sort of progressive passes. If you're looking at, you know, for Arteta, I think he's very much, and this is, we'll come on to Pepe, and we've got a question about Pepe from our from our best friend, Nathan Baroda. Um, hello, Nathan. There he is. Hello, Nathan. We need a little, like, hello, Nathan, like, jingle or something. Uh, we should do that. We should get him to send a, qu- a question for every episode and make it a segment. Nathan's corner. <laughs> I love it. Um, Nathan's query. Nathan's query. Um, is he dear? Um, so uh, yeah, I thought um, like if you if you're Arteta and you're, <laughs> you like that one. Just if you're Arteta, scoop it over that, and you're looking for who to play in your double pivot. You know exactly what you're getting out of El Nenny. Yeah. Ceballos might drop at nine out of ten, and Ceballos' nine out of ten is much better than El Nenny's nine out of ten. But he might also drop like a two out of ten. 
Yeah. And I think you're, you know, you're you're looking at a guy who will just do everything for the team. Again, I think he's another Jacker. He's another we we look at, you know, Liverpool's Lucas Lever and Emre Chan, like they're limited players, but they're making do in the system for now. And I think sometimes like Yeah. I understand the frustration in them being picked, but I go like we've got these these are the best we got, man. <laughs> like I think the thing with Elneny as well is he's very partner dependent. With Elneny, you need to put a pass master next to him. Somebody who he can give the ball. Um, Elneny, uh, like you need to put almost like a quarterback, like a Tom Brady next to him. Somebody who's going to spray the ball to everyone else. And Elneny's just the protector of the D. Like he just kind of like, <laughs> fuck's sake. I can't believe I just said that on a podcast. Um, he He just marshals players out. I am five years old. Makes tackles, presses, all of that kind of stuff. But he's never going to be the person like a Xhaka who's going to spray the ball 30 yards. But Xhaka can't do what Elneny does. The issue is, is we almost need both profiles in the same player, which we have in Thomas Partey. You know, Thomas Partey got a brilliant ball in him, can progress it really well, and can also marshal players out and make tackles. Uh, so it's it is almost like, we're playing El Nenny because we need to, because the only other player who can pass a ball in this team well is Granat Xhaka. I mean, obviously, because we're not playing Meza Ozil. So it's it's difficult. We've always known what El Nenny is. We've always known that he's kind of a sideways, backwards pass merchant, but he offers us quite a bit in the press, in the tackle, that, and in almost just in the athleticism that Xhaka doesn't have. He can get around a pitch. Better than Jacker. Um, there were some concerning signs. I think that's what said to you, like Tierney on Zuma at corners. Strange decision. Yeah, and it's been that's been a problem for a few games. Like uh, I think it was Maitland Niles or someone or Saka on friggin' Yerry nine foot nine Yerry Mina. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, very very. Strange it's one of those decisions. things that another day we're two 0 down from a Zuma corner and a Pulisic goal or something. And we're all going, fucking, why is Tierney on Zuma? The set piece going... Rah, rah, rah. So, yeah, I don't know. I thought it's a strange decision. And as I say, like, you know, looking at the stats, they, you know, stats, as we as we know, kind of tell their own story a little bit, but like, or, or don't, depending on what you look at it. But, you know, they had 15% more pass success than us. Two more dribbles, almost double our aerial duels won. Like, more... Like we had more shots on target, but they had more shots. I don't know. I think there were some signs as we talked about in the intro, like there were some signs that things aren't necessarily as rosy as we thought. But, um, and speaking of which their goal, um, to be honest, I thought it came more about out of a desperation for them. Uh, I thought Willock mm. was sloppy. Um, he kind of put, put sort of two sort of lazy challenges in, let, let Hudson and get wide. Um, they obviously wanted more control in the midfield in the second half with Jorginho and, Stuck Hudson Odoi on who I did think or thought did quite well, um, but yeah, listen, three one, um, football was played. It was a game of two halves, I reckon, ninety minutes. Um, Pleased with the result. Eleven players either side. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think it was also, and I said this to you, like nice to know we can win without Albert, Gabriel, and Party. Yeah, yeah, very important. This I, the thing is as well. I'd go with the it, it, uh, the only kind of 
the, obviously we know Partey's not going to be back for the next match. But if Gabriel was back for the next match, he would be probably the only person I put in over Amari, and then I'd leave the squad as is. Yeah. Other than maybe, maybe Xhaka for Maitland Niles. Well, I think like I think Martinelli is undroppable, frankly. Martinelli, Saka are both now first names on the team sheet. Absolutely, I think. I think the same of obviously Tierney. Maybe I think Smith Rowe deserves a start again. And if he isn't started over certain players, that will again get me annoyed. But yeah, it'll just it it'll all depend. We'll just have to wait and I see. I think, like for example, if we saw like Martinelli, Saka, Aubameyang. And Lacazette, maybe I'd kind of go okay, maybe Saka more central in that space. But I, but like the, I think if we see Willian again, knowing that we have Saka and Martinelli and Abamian all fit and Smith Rowe and and Smith Rowe, I just I'm starting to go. What who, who have you? Has he got his nudes? Like what's It'll, the deal? Yeah, because you you can't you cannot watch that game and tell me that Willian offered more than any of those players. You you simply cannot. Willian, I think Martinelli had more shots on target in this game than Willian's had the whole season. Willian hasn't. Willian, right? Which is one, by the way. If you could, if you were to count the sixty minutes or so that Smithrow played, and the six hundred minutes that Willian has played, Smithrow offered us more of an out um outlet and opportunity than William has in his entire Arsenal career so far. And everyone can scream about, you know, the two slash three assists at Fulham and you go, okay, well, Martinelli got one assist today. Uh definitely had um, like a few almost like pre-assist esque moments. And it's I I I I really Mikel I think will lose a lot of the fans patience again because this this is good this has bought him some time this has bought him some goodwill but that goodwill will disappear if he drops Smithrow for William it will if he drops Smithrow for Aubameyang and you play Aubameyang then fair enough but even then I think now it's either Aubameyang and Lacazette up top flanked by Martinelli and Saka with Smithrow in the hole that's, I think that's got to be what we've yeah. got to do going well, so, Some kind of combination around that. Um, so I think uh, our boy's question kind of dovetails onto that. Nathan says to the different knock at gmail.com, get your questions in. Uh, what a win that was. My question is, the performances of Saka, ESR and Martinelli were incredibly promising? Question mark. Why do you think the inclusion of ESR took so long? And do you think it marks the beginning of the end of Pepe's time at Arsenal? Keep up the great podcasting. Best wishes, Nathan. So, may I? Uh, yes. I, I mean, we kind of answered the Smith Rowe question, I think, over-reliance on Willian. So I think I kind of want to focus on the Pepe thing because I think it's fascinating. That's Yeah, that's what I was going to jump in with. Uh, I'm praying no. I'm praying that it marks the end of Willian's time. But the thing that annoys me about Pepe and how this has been handled is it again is poor asset management by Arsenal. If we don't want him fair enough, like it's going to happen to certain players. You're going to have managers come in that don't fancy and they could be absolute worldies. You know, you're looking at the fact that Sergio Ramos, one of the best kind of center backs of the last decade is going to leave Madrid on a free at the end of the season because they don't want to offer him another two year contract. They only want to offer him a 12 month extension. 
because they're and it's the same in like sometimes you're not in the long term plans or even in the short term plans of a club. But he's our record signing at seventy two million pounds. Madrid can afford to do that. Yeah, of course. But what I'm saying is is that it's poor asset management because how much money could we sell him for? Twenty five million quid? At this stage, yeah. Twenty, twenty five million quid. And we've we've already paid Nice, no, not Nice, Lille, sorry, twenty six million pounds for his services, paying something like what? What is it? I think we paid like thirteen million up front, and then we're playing like whatever, like seven million a year or something. Like hashtag accountants FC or something stupid. But um, it is just bad. Like because at the end of the day, if if we'd have just played, if we'd have given him a decent run of games and he'd put some form together, and we'd still decided, look, we want to move on from this. We want to get a different profile of player in for that right wing, and we got say forty million for him. You go, okay, we take a thirty million pound hit. That 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 thirty million pound hit can just come from, um, we can just blame it on the how poorly the club's been run over the last however long. But even now, I it's almost like whenever it, like for example, I I have a bad habit of collecting things. Like I'll get obsessed with something, I'll buy fucking twelve of it, and then about a year later, I'll be kind of contemplating my life choices and why I've done this. And sometimes, so so many questions. Continue. Sometimes I'll be like, okay, well I'll sell it. And if it's in demand... You can't sell a dildo, I think. <laughs> it'll, it'll appreciate in value and it'll be worth more money. And I can, uh, I, and if it hasn't and it's, it's dropped in value, then I have two choices. I either go, I'll hold on to it until it appreciates in value, or I just take the short-term hit and go, do you know what? I've lost 10 quid. Shit happens. Do you mean depreciate? That's what I said, didn't I? Do you mean, you said appreciate? Well, yeah, something can either appreciate in value or depreciate in value. Is that the opposite of depreciate? Yeah. Brad, have you done me here? I'm pretty sure. Something appreciates in value, it goes up. Something depreciates. So depreciate in value is... Going down. Is something going down. And appreciate in value... Oh, fucking hell. I had no idea. Yeah. Sorry, Brad. Yeah. I called you out. No worries, mate. With a smug little A in English literature at A level. Smug little Just grin. a little flex there. Oh, you. And, that, was uh, the, that was the most subtle of flexes and I it loved it. It wasn't subtle at all, Brad. It was... <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was in my face. Um, My apologies. Well, we've all learned something today, Brad. That was very, very good. Uh, Well, thank you. Sorry, continue. No, it, it, it's just, again... I think he's has the opportunity to be a very, very good, you know, talented player at, at Arsenal if we play him to his strengths and play a kind of and play a more attacking brand of football. But if we are looking to move him on and we do move him on, I'm almost, I'm furious at the way that this club has handled it because again, it loses us twenty five million pounds in a climate where. Twenty-five million pounds can now buy you. Uh, Renato Sanchez is linked to Liverpool for something like to the tune of eighteen million pounds. You know, you're talking about certain players from from the French league because of the. I don't know if anybody knows about this, but the the TV deal over there is is kind of collapsing and it's pretty much kind of fucking that that league financially. So now is the best time to kind of raid that league for fantastic players, which is why it'd be great for us to go back in for our in January because. They've obviously they didn't sell anyone in the summer. They only loaned out uh, Rene Adelaide. So bringing 
they're kind of desperate for money. A lot of clubs are. And it is that that twenty five million pounds is the difference between getting one very good midfielder in a kind of Buendia for twenty million pounds from the championship and then Buendia and Alwa or um Renato Sanchez and Buendia. And you're ta- and we've again just put ourselves in a situation like where we could have gotten sixty million pounds for Alexis Sanchez and rebuilt, but instead we got Mikatarian, who we gave to Roma for free. Mm. Yeah. And it just feels like we could just be making the same old mistakes again, but this time with a player who we've never really given the opportunity to be as good as he is. Well, I think I think the the, the lack of opportunity comes out of you know, Emery hasn't fancied him at times, Lundberg hasn't fancied him at times, and now Arteta hasn't fancied him at times. And I I think there's got to be on that though. I think it all stems from obviously. I think that all stems from one thing. Emery never really fancied him because Emery wanted Zaha. So Emery never really gave him the opportunity to build up a run of games, hit form and get into form. And if you're a new manager coming in, looking at the squad and who's in form and who's been performing well, Pepe would never have been one of those standout players because he was never really given a run of games. So you're not going to put him in your team over players that are performing well, just like Mikel Arteta would have done the exact same thing. And then now, this is just my opinion, but now it's a situation where... Pepe hasn't been given the opportunity under three managers because of the actions of the first manager, really. And the naivety in the way that we've been playing him. And we've now just then we're now just in a situation where we have a quality like because nobody scores 25 goals and gets like 15 assists in league on without being a good player. Leon beat Man City like the French League, when it comes to the lower ends of the table, has a has a real dearth in quality. But the the kind of the bigger teams like your Leons, your PSGs, uh, even your Lille's nowadays and other clubs like that are stacked with some very, very, very good players. And being able to have the output that Pepe had in that league, he is a much better player than he's currently playing. And I think that that is a lot down to the way that we're managing the asset rather than the asset itself. Yeah, I, I, understand, I understand that, and I and I and I don't disagree. I, but I do think there's a, and I, I think they are linked. Like as in, like, I do think you know, Emery not giving him a chance means maybe Lumbo doesn't question him. And, you know, all those. I do think they are linked. Yeah, but equally, this is a guy who has not impressed three managers, and there's a question for me in terms of, and and this this means I kind I kind of double down on your point. Really, like it's not only bad asset management; it's bad squad management. If that player wasn't right for you when you signed him, get him out the door immediately. Get him out the door the next window or, or get him out on loans. You know, whatever it is, however you want to do it, get him out on a loan to buy thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, we, we, as you say, he is he is letting, we are letting his issue, uh, his issue, his asset depreciate. Um, and he, you know, <laughs> he's not getting in the team over teenagers and he's a 25-year-old, 72 million pound player that's not a price tag that he's ever put on himself. I don't believe he's worth that. And that's not his fault. But in terms of that's that's the fault and the mistakes of Sanyehi, which we will pay for. Um, Arteta doesn't fancy him. I think as we've seen with the likes of Valneni, as the likes with Martinelli, who I, I think he'll start almost every game if he can. He likes players who can follow instructions to the letter. And Pepe just isn't that guy. He's, he's someone who wants to, you know, he, he watch him in the game yesterday when he comes on. 
he's he's kind of sort of half looking at Arteta going like, yeah, all right. Like Arteta's giving really clear tactical instructions and I can sort of see it in his eyes. I mean, this is conjecture. Bring out the conjecture, Warning. Jackson. But like, conjecture you know, ahead. I can sort of see it in his eyes. Like he's sort of like, whatever. Like he wants to be that person who can be the maverick, be that guy. And I think Arteta can't really, at the moment, because he's trying to implement a structure, he doesn't have a space for someone like Pepe to play in he it. He doesn't have it. good enough players to yeah. cover that. To cover it's that. like so, the it's like the uh, what I call the again it's the Meza Özil paradox it's the Trent Alexander Arnold paradox unless you build your team around these players who are deficient in certain areas you won't be successful for sure as for in sure. Unle- unle- with Meza Özil our biggest issue is we never put two we never put at least one kind of absolute destroyer of a midfield like um like an Adrissa Gay would have been a fantastic signing in that time from Everton. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if we'd have signed Kante instead or of... Or someone. Or in, uh, Kante instead of Xhaka or Indeedy or any of these yeah. players to just Indeed. put in the defence... <laughs> to just put in those defensive numbers around kind of the most creative player of the last kind of, what, fucking yeah, decade or something stupid. Sure. And, and offering that it would have structure. Been, and I think, yeah, and offering structure. And that's exactly what Liverpool have done around Trent. Trent is the most defensively sub, like suspect world-class right back Hmm. if you're talking about the world-class right backs right now he's one of the best at a lot of things but he is so defensively suspect so what they do is they have put three midfielders in that system who are workhorses who will run cover the distance and tackle so that there is not as much pressure on Trent to do those duties this also isn't me saying that he's poor defensively I'm just saying he's not very good he's not awful He's okay, but it's never been his strong suit. Uh, So they've covered that. And we currently haven't got the players to cover a Pepe who wants to be just drifting in and playing that second striker role and not doing a lot of other stuff. He's like the cherry on top of a cake that doesn't exist. Do you know what I mean? Like, or he's, you know, he's like the flat screen TV in a house you don't have. Like it's, it's, it's kind of... I feel sorry for him to some degree. Um, mm-hmm. And I also feel, feel you know, Aubameyang slightly takes the, the spotlight. I think that's, I think he was a, by no fault of his own. Well, no, not by no fault of his own. I think there is probably, I think he probably could work harder in training. I think he probably, you know, could, could try and be a bit more structured. But if that's just not your bag and you're 25, that's not your bag. You're not going to play like that. So, you know, that that is what it is. Yeah. I think ultimately now we are what we are. And uh, it is what it is, and that's that. It, that is what it is, and that's that. And you know, <laughs> this player is is a huge asset for the club. He's at least worth forty to fifty million pounds yeah. in a good market to the right to the right team. I think you know someone like a Juventus or someone like a and maybe like an AC Milan could really use him in a maybe a slightly slower league where he can try and take on players. He's not physical enough, you know. He isn't the right signing, and that's a mistake that the previous um, uh, management structure made, right? I think and, he wasn't the right signing at the time. I don't yeah. think he's a poor... As in, like, he... Is, Pepe's not I a think poor we, player. He's just no. not the right player for us, and he was the wrong signing at the wrong time. Uh, you see, here's the thing. I don't even think he's the wrong player for us, because I can really see a future where, say, we get rid of... Because he was signed, obviously, at a time where we didn't know really a lot about... He was signed in the same window as Martinelli. Uh, Saka hadn't really kind of like broken through. Mm. I think he'd put in some performances, but obviously wasn't kind of getting himself established. So we did need a wide player. Yeah. Everyone was crying out for a wide player. And I don't think that but he's... a type of wide player. 
But no, but even, even then, I don't think he's a poor... He was. I, I think that it was the wrong signing at the time because we needed to strengthen other areas. We needed to sign Thomas Partey that summer and maybe another midfielder and then go out and get Pepe the season after. And I yeah. think it's almost a different look squad yeah. instead um, of a different um, knock pod. Yeah. Oh, shit. The Red Bulls kicked in. Um, the, um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, just, no, it feels like we we haven't signed him at the right time, but I don't think he's the wrong player. I can see yeah. a version of him in this team that performs so, so, so well. For sure, for sure. But we're just not playing to that at the moment because we don't have the players to play to that at the moment. 100%, mate. And, like, you know, say we got in a, a fantastic centre-forward, another midfield player, maybe another centre-back, like some decent forward, like uh, maybe a, a replacement for Bellerin or something like you know, I think there's a there is a definitely a world where this player fits in and and does well and could mm-hmm. and is a fantastic mm-hmm. player. I'm not. I'm. I we've seen even in flashes that this is this is someone. But to start week in week out, he is simply not the right player for us. Yeah. So then I'm going okay, use him or lose him. Like mm-hmm. let's either work the team around this guy. I don't think we're going to do that. Or send him out on a loan. Send you know or get him get him gone. Whatever you want to do. Like if you've got plans to use him in the future once you structure the team, fine. It's the sim- similar thing with Saliba. This is the problem and, and something that was covered really well on um, uh, the Arsenal Vision podcast. Arteta may not fancy the guy, as in probably doesn't fancy him, he's got a wife, but as in may not fancy the um, the player. He may not like what the player brings with both Saliba and Pepe. That's fine. He didn't sign them. So I'm not I'm not blaming him, right? He may not like those players, but what and but what he can control is the asset. And what he can control is the messaging. So he can say, we really like Saliba. We can, he can come out and say, you know, we think Saliba's massively talented. He just needs another, you know, a bit more time. He just needs, he doesn't quite fit into our system because of these reasons. The problem is he's silent on both Pepe and Saliba mm-hmm. to protect the asset because we want the world to believe that we want these players. They're just not quite ready because of whatever reason. Make up some bullshit excuse. Protect the asset. Saliba has de- uh, depreciated um, Pepe has depreciated because we're not controlling the messaging around these players. Saliba is cast out, he's putting things online, all these things. If we say to Saliba, Arteta can privately think whatever he wants, but to protect the millions of pounds that we're talking about here, which sometimes we forget, millions of pounds for the sake of talking in a press conference and answering a question right, say something like, we really like Saliba, he thinks he's brilliant, he just needs another year out. Doesn't matter if you believe it or not, control the messaging. And it's the same with Pepe. Yeah. And I hope we sort those out, both of those situations out pretty soon. I think if we sell Saliba, that will be the worst decision Arsenal Football Club have made since selling Thierry Henry. Like I, I agree, mate. But well, and and Martinez and whoever the last one was. But the <laughs> yeah, but the that's my catchphrase. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Just in life, Brad buying that Jedi dressing gown was the worst decision since Arsenal sold Thierry Henry. Anyway. Yes, that's 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 that on Pepe. Um, I just have a few more things uh, to. I have a recommendation, Bradley. Okay, um, hit me. It's the Edu article um, on the Athletic. It's absolutely fantastic and it's fascinating. It really puts Edu into kind of. We now share an Athletic account, so you can go look. We at do, it. but I would genuinely, guys. Like I, I know probably some of you aren't Athletic subscribers, and this sounds like an ad. It's not. We've, we've re- not been sponsored it, by. They're not paying us. We fucking wish, mate. Imagine we got picked up by the Athletic. Oh, see ya. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah. So I just want to read you this this thing, and uh, this is behind a paywall. I probably shouldn't be doing this, but whatever. So, 
remodeling the scouting team is regarded by many. So this is basically in context. This is about Edu and Edu's kind of proliferation, if I'm going to use a word, of power and his kind of um, his way of he's he's cutting down his team. He's got rid of the scouting department. He's really slimmed it down. He's got more into analytics. And I thought this bit was absolutely fascinating. Remodeling the scouting team is regarded by many as a bold decision, the success of which can only be judged in time. The reports filed by the outgoing scouts are expected to help inform the recruitment process for several several windows to come. He is keen to successfully integrate Arsenal's internal analytics company, StatDNA, in the recruitment process. That department is now led by Sarah Rudd, the head of analytics. Instead of having wide scouting coverage on the ground, Arsenal's intention is to work in a more narrow, efficient manner. This will mean starting from a positional need, discussing specificity of player type with the manager, and then compiling a list of candidates with input from both scouting and and stat DNA. Edu has overseen the development of new internal software that amalgamates analytics, video clips, scouting reports, and key transfer information. Rather than use an industry-wide application like Scout or Scout7, this proprietary software enables Edu to watch video footage compiled and curated by Arsenal's own scouts instead of a third party. The system will soon incorporate a lookalike feature to identify similar players. Arsenal's use of data and digital software is increasingly cutting edge. Loan manager Napper uses uh, a tool built by StatDNA, which analyzes teams and managers by playing style to find suitable temporary homes for the club's young players. So, I read that, and um, I'm available for voiceovers if you need me. Um, but the, I thought. Like, that's fascinating, and that's a really, sounds really encouraging. Now, I, I will caveat all of this. The Athletic have been told that information. Arsenal want that information to go out there. I will caveat that with, we don't know if this works yet. Mm-hmm. I will caveat that with, I think, um, the, yeah, the, the messaging around it is, is we, we yeah, the main thing is we don't know if this works. Mm-hmm. But I think the combination of some scouts in the field, which it talks about, and the, the, inclusion of more dna um uh, stat dna stuff more data-led stuff the thing about like um you know going player first and looking at key players and similar players and looking at that that sort of thing looking at those stats as well as taking scouting things kind of having the best of both worlds Mm -hmm. sounds good to me however this is arsenal football club brad so who knows yeah that's the thing is my tongue again what's going on i agree with you no i think that the mix the mixture of having some scouts out in the field and then relying on the statistics of that player and uh, i i think is is a good model because the one thing that i think if you do, do if you do go just pure stats driven you lose the eye test some players like for example genie wijnaldum don't put up phenomenal stats in in a lot of metrics that you would look for for a central midfielder but he's brilliant you know fantastic footballer there's a reason that you know with nearly only 6 months left on his contract people are talking about barcelona because he's fucking brilliant. So I think that as long as you do have kind of maybe seven or eight scouts and this system. Yeah. And it talks you about get the best, South yeah, and, You get the best yeah. of both worlds where you will still pick up those gems that may not, may not kind of shine statistically because they are in leagues where, you know, because it also relies on, on the the accuracy of the statistics being held in certain leagues. Do you think Martinelli's statistics in the Brazilian third division were good or were kept or is in like were kept well? Do you think they knew how many keep up? Probably not. Like, and this is the thing, like this is why you need a mixture of both situations. And I, I this sounds positive, but again, we'll, we'll wait Time and see and, if it, and this if is the it thing, you know, bears I think fruit. on Edu, 
Yeah, for sure. And like on Edu, it's like, okay, he's making a change. I don't know if this is right or not. This could be the completely wrong thing to do. But someone coming in and and by the sounds of things, trying to revolutionize our scouting to make it more modern, to make it more, you know, in line with other scouting models like the Liverpool model. Time will tell. And, you know, I think to come on to your point, like the just going off stats, like Lucas Perez was a stat signing, apparently. Like he was like a stat DNA, as was Mustafi. Like both of them were like, you know, these players theoretically should fit into your team. But you look at them and they're fucking, we paid 18 million for Lucas Perez. And then sold him for six million. Yeah, we've got to do better recruiting, and hopefully this will mm-hmm. this will um, this will help with that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Anything else from you, Brad? No, I'm feeling very good. On to Brighton. Off to go train any Jedi's today. It's a it's an audio platform, so doing something physical is <laughs> <laughs> almost pointless. <laughs> <laughs> It's the name of the podcast. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Um, we'll see you again soon. <laughs> we'll see you again after probably a loss. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. If you enjoyed that and you want to hear some more, please subscribe or follow us on whatever platform you use for a new podcast after every match. If you want to support the show, check us out on Patreon and find us on Twitter at Diffnock. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.